Deuteronomy chapters 1 through 8. Are you anticipating a short chapel message now? (laughs) Well, we could be here all day, I think. Uh, Let's begin by setting a stage and imagining ourselves in a particular uh, place. I am thinking of a spot about halfway up the trail to Thompson Lake. Thompson Lake is over in the Paradise Valley area. Go up Mill Creek and get to the trailhead. And when you get to the trailhead to go up to Thompson Lake, it's about a four, four and a half mile hike up there. You begin kind of down in a a creek bottom and you're down in the timber in the trail. And for a long time, you're hiking along with tall trees all around you, and you don't see a lot but trees. You see the immediacy of the spot around you, but you don't see this grand vista, where you've been, where you're going. You just see the immediate spot around you. You've probably been in a place like that, a trail like that, surrounded. But the place I'm thinking of is the place, the place along that trail where you break out of the trees and you go up a steep meadow and you get to the crown of that meadow and there are no trees around you. Have you been to this place, Andrew? Andrew knows right where I'm talking about, don't you? And you stand there and you can look back down the drainage to where you've been and you can look ahead up the drainage to where you're going, to where the lake is. And it's that wonderful moment. And you always stop there and eat your lunch or your snack or drink your water, whatever it is, because you have to just sit down and enjoy that place of a view. And then on the other side, you drop back down into the trees and you continue on in the trees and you don't see a whole lot again for a while. Then you get to the lake, and I won't even describe the mountain peaks that you can hike and all of that. I want you to think of yourself as right now in one of those moments in the meadow. A time where you're looking back and a time where you're looking ahead. Here we are at the culmination of a school year. A time when you're looking back. What has God done? What has God accomplished? For some of you, you're looking back at four years or five years or something like that. Some of you in this room are graduating this week. And you're looking back at a number of years and all of the work that went into that. Some of you are finishing a one-year certificate this year and you're looking back at this year some of you are finishing year two or three or four somewhere in the middle but all of you are right now at a moment where you're looking back and you say what has God done to bring me to this point but it's also a place where you're looking forward most immediately you're looking at the summer to come but further on than that you're looking at Next year, maybe next academic year for many of you, all of you that I would love to see back here in the fall, shameless plug, be back. 
If you um, have already made up your mind to leave, make it up the other way. Come back because we love you and um, want to invest in your life. You're looking ahead at next school year or you're looking ahead at, for some of you, marriage. Some of you are looking at, yeah, I'm looking at you guys right there. You guys right there. I mean, or you're looking at further on out, perhaps into life. Um, some of you are looking at ministry plans and what God has in store for you. So you're in a moment right now, a looking back, a looking forward moment where you can sit down in the meadow and take stock. Deuteronomy chapters 1 through 8 was such a moment in the life of the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy finds the people of Israel poised, just ready to go into the promised land. They're looking back at a period of 40 years of history since they came out of Egypt. And they came right up to the edge of the promised land and, you know, they turned away and ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They're looking back and they can see what God has done. They're looking ahead. Where is God going to take us moving in to the land? And they're in that moment. Their meadow wasn't very lush and green because they're out in the desert on the east side of the Jordan River waiting to cross into the land. What I'm going to do is survey Deuteronomy chapters 1 through 8 with you very quickly. Uh, Wow, we've got to move. And what I want to do is bring this to a place that's very personal in terms of application to you, and I'm going to save some time for that to unfold at the end. So I'm just going to highlight a few things. You see, as the chapter begins, that they're in the desert east of the Jordan. You see in verse 3 that we are in the 40th year. So they've wandered all these 40 years. This is the 40th year. It tells us in the 11th month, almost the end of the 40th year. When Moses is going to speak to the people. So they've been out. They're in the territory of Moab, east of the Jordan River. I'll show you in a map a little while. And it says, Moses began to expound this law, saying, and now we launch. So we've given a little bit of geographical background, the setting of this book. And then Moses begins to speak. And he says, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb. And Horeb is the name also known as Mount Sinai. So he's looking back to the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And Moses says, hey, everybody, this is God. This is what he spoke to us at Horeb. And then he begins to tell them, um, recounting the history. And God is saying to go in and take possession of the land. He's given them the law. He says, you're going to go into the land. I'm just moving quickly here. Moses says um, to the people of Israel, you're too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. That's when he appoints all the helpers for him, the leaders of the different tribes to judge the people as well. And he talks about that a little bit. Then he says, um, the Lord commanded us and we set out from Horeb. So we took off. We broke camp. We left Sinai on the way to the promised land. And we reached Kadesh Barnea, he says. And they said, hey, let's send some men to go spy out the land. And you know that they did, and they saw the fruit of the land. But it says that they rebelled against the command of the Lord 
their God. It could command, go in and take possession of the land. But the people got afraid and they said, we can't do it. The people in there are too big. They're too strong. They're too powerful. And they turned back without faith. It says they did not trust in the Lord, their God. And God pronounced this uh, punishment. He said, not a man of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give to your forefathers. They're all going to die in the wilderness. You're going to wander these next 40 years. I'm just jumping along, skipping like a rock across the surface of the pond here. Turn around, God says, and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. You're done. You're not going in. Go back into the desert. And of course, the people said, oh, no, 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 we've changed our mind. We'll go in. And Moses said, no, that was rebellion against the Lord's command. And in your arrogance, you marched up. They said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do it after all. And of course, you know that they went in and they got slaughtered and they came back and, okay, we can't do this. No, they didn't. If you read it carefully, they didn't go in. I, I just misspoke. They, um, God said, don't go in. And they didn't. They turned around. We turned back and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. Moses says. And so now they're in this wilderness. Moses reminds the people that they were going to uh, pass through the territory that was known as Edom, where the descendants of Esau lived. And God said, you can't make war on them. You need to go through peacefully. Don't provoke them to war. In fact, he says, you're to pay them in silver for the food you eat and the water to drink. You stay on the road and you treat these people well. They're the descendants of Esau. And you remember Jacob and Esau. And that's where they lived. Then God talked about the Moabites in the same way. He says, don't harass them or provoke them to war. They're the descendants of Lot. And Lot was Abraham's nephew who came with him. And so God says, don't provoke them. Don't make war on them. And then uh, Moses says that 38 years passed from the time that they left Kadesh Barnea until they crossed the Zered Valley. And by that time, the entire generation of fighting men had perished. So God's word had fulfilled. All these people from that generation had perished. And now um, they are close to the promised land. But something else happened in that time. Let me zoom out just a little bit. See if we can make this picture come up here. They've been down in... Uh, the lower part of this area, clear down in the desert. And you see that in yellow at the bottom, it says the kingdom of Edom, that is Esau. And God said, don't make war on them, remember? And so they passed then up through that territory. And then they, you come to the purple, the kingdom of Moab, the descendants of Lot. And God said, don't make war on them. You're going to continue on. But then... Um, if you pick up the text right after my map here at the bottom of the screen, it says, set out now and cross the Arnon Gorge. And you see the Arnon River coming down at the top of the purple area. That's the Arnon Gorge. God says, cross that gorge. And up there, he says, I have given into your hands Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon. And you see his kingdom up there in the orange. And then he's going to talk about the king Og, king of Bashan, up here in those two kingdoms, and they're going to conquer them. And you remember um, the, earlier in the account, the account of those victories that God gave to the people of Israel. 
And so Moses is looking back on that, remembering. So 38 years had passed after they came out of Egypt. And then God said, all right, we're going to head up that way. And we're going to take these two kingdoms. And they did. And so God gave them those two kingdoms. And Moses is remembering that, looking back on that, because now we're in to remember the 40th year, the 11th month. So between year 38 and year 40, they went on up further. By the way, this dude, if you look in here, it tells you right here in Deuteronomy, Og was one of the last descendants of the Rephites, if you remember, and they were these tall, giant kind of guys. It tells us um, his bed was more than 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. Just saying. Big dude, all right? So um, before the time of Goliath and all of that, um, he's one of those guys. And God says, I've handed him over to you with his whole army and his land. And so they take um, the victory there. Now, kind of capturing this. Of the land that we took over at that time, I gave the Reubenites and the Gadites the territory north of Aror, that's the gorge they crossed, by the Arnon Gorge, including half the hill country of Gilead, together with its towns, the rest of Gilead, and also of Bashan, the kingdom of Og, I gave to the half-tribe of Manasseh. And then he's going to tell how those tribes said, can we have our inheritance on the east side of the Jordan? Moses got permission from God. Yes, you can, but you have to go in in front of your brothers and fight. They haven't done that yet. They haven't gone in to fight. Moses says, hey, this is your agreement. This is what you're going to do. We're in the 40th year in the 11th month about to go into the promised land. And so this is recent history that Moses is recounting. You've just won this victory, etc. Now, Joshua comes up. Moses says, I've commanded Joshua, and he's going to see how you're going to be the leader. Um, God also, um, Moses says that he pleaded with God, can I please go in? Remember, God had been angry with Moses when Moses took his staff and struck the rock, remember, when, against God's command. And God said, you're not going to go in. And Moses had pleaded with the Lord. And God said, don't talk to me anymore about this. And here's what he says. Go up to the top of Pisgah, the Mount Pisgah in Moab, and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes, since you are not going to cross this Jordan. But here it is. Commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land you will see. And he says, so we stayed in the valley near Beth Peor. And now chapter four begins. Deuteronomy chapter four. I've already made it through three. You were doing good. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter four begins. Hear now, O Israel. Now, now, now. Present tense. Moses has up till now been recounting what's happened in the last 40 years. God brought us out of Egypt to Sinai, into the desert, to the land, rejected there, back to wandering, up through the land of the Edomites and the descendants of Lot, Ammon, or up to Ammon, and now we've taken that. And here we are, poised to go into the land. Joshua has been commissioned. Joshua is appointed. I'm going to encourage him. I can't go in. And here now. Oh, Israel, this is what, this is the moment. We're standing in the meadow. We've just surveyed back. And here we are in this moment. And we're going to look ahead towards where we're going. And I want to help you see that there are three real strong themes that are going to show up in chapters 5 through 8 of Deuteronomy. And these three themes are that 
are up here in color. I'll show you those as we go. There's first the theme of the past. And over and over, God says, remember, look back, remember where you've been. Then there's the theme of the present, in the present, obey, obey now. You know what God has said to you, and now here you are, and in this moment, obey. And then God's looking at the future with them, and he says, don't forget. And I use the word perpetuate. Keep it going. Teach this to your children, and their children after them, and their children after them. See that you never forget. Remember not to forget. So that you will always obey. And these three themes are just interlaced. And so let's launch into here. Those three colors. Follow them. That's the commands. Keep the commands. You saw he's remembering back with your own eyes what I did. Follow the commands. Observe them carefully. We're moving fast. Here's a future section. Only be careful. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and their children after them. Now look back. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. Back to Mount Sinai. Remember he gave you this law. So look forward, teach, but remember back. The covenant, the Ten Commandments, um, he says, you are to follow these laws. You saw back there. Now, watch yourselves very carefully into the future, these themes. Be careful not to forget the covenant. After you have had children and grandchildren, have lived in the land a long time, he's looking to the future. Oh, back up here. Return to the Lord your God and obey him in the future if you've forgotten. Now, ask now about the former days long before your time, from the day God created man on the earth. Has God ever done anything like this? He's saying, you look back, you remember what God has done and how he chose you as a nation and how he's brought you out. Then it says, you were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Beside him, there is no other. All this mighty work that God did bringing you out of Egypt, God showed you that so that you would know. Let me just stop and ask you for a second. What are some things that you can look back and remember? What are some things that God has shown you so that you might know that he is God? Some of those things are things you've seen with your own eyes in your lifetime. Some of those things are things that your parents or grandparents might recall. Some of those things are things that, that look back to eyewitnesses who witnessed Jesus, who saw him, who touched him, who felt him, who saw him raised from the dead, who wrote it down for us and said, we were eyewitnesses of these things. Here you are, and we have that record in our hands so that we would not forget, but that we would remember. Keep his decrees and commands so that it may go well with you and your children after you. We are cruising. Chapter uh, five here. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Remember, looking back, here are the Ten Commandments. I just listed them up here for you. Moses recounts each of the ten that were given to the people of Israel. Tightly packed in there at the end, recounting what was there. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever in the future. Teach them to follow, obey. Be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded. 
teach to observe you, your children, their children after them into the future, keeping all his decrees and commands. Be careful to obey. And now here's the famous text, whoops, the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now, these commandments that I give today are to be upon your hearts, folks. They're to be obeyed. Impress them on your children, and he goes into the future again. Teach them, perpetuate. Be careful that you do not forget Fear the Lord your God and serve him only. Be sure to keep his commands in the future. When your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, watch the remembrance now. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. There it is. Remembrance again. In the future, when your children ask, remember back. The Lord commanded us to obey all of these that we might always prosper and be kept alive in the future. Be careful to obey. Is this a little bit of a theme? It's just all over the place as you read these chapters. You can't get away from it. Remembrance. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people's. For you are the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Hey folks, remember, remember where you came from. Like we are told by the Apostle Paul, not many of you were wise not many of you were of noble birth. Not many of you were the important people of the world, the movers and the shakers of the world when you were called. But God chose us, the weak, to shame the strong. God chose the nobodies, the nothings, just like he did way back then and chose Abraham, a nobody. And still today, remember who you were. Remember where you came from. Take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws. Pay attention careful to follow. And here's a bunch of stuff about the future. He will love, he will bless, he will bless, will be blessed, will keep, will not inflict. All of this stuff in the future. Remember back to the past well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the miraculous signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. He will drive out, he will deliver, he will give. I'm getting tired. How you doing? These themes are everywhere. We're up to chapter 8, our last chapter of survey. Be careful to follow every command. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. I want to draw your attention right here to some key phrases. This is powerful stuff. Why did God lead them through the desert like this? To humble you? To test you? In order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna. I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been reading in Deuteronomy in my personal devotions here in the last couple of weeks. God could have fed them before they got hungry, could he not? Or at the first twinge of hunger in the young child's belly, God could have immediately rained down manna. 
He knows what they need before they ask him. But he didn't. He let them get hungry. Why? To test, to humble. Does he still do that kind of thing in our lives? Does he ever let you get hungry? Maybe physically, yes. Does he let things happen in your life? To bring things into your life. Maybe some of you in remembrance of this year or over the past few years would look back and say, yes, God has brought some things into my life. Trials, tests to see what was in my heart, to test my heart, to sift my heart. Because he wants to purify that heart of mine. And it says he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, to teach you faith, to teach you trust. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. God is about growing you up into maturity. God is about forming you into his character. And back to remembrance and observation of commands, obedience, observe these commands, walking in his ways, revering him. Remember, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Then your heart would become proud. You would forget who brought you out of Egypt. He led you. He brought you water. He gave you manna. All these things God did. Remembrance. Remember the Lord your God. If you ever forget. And finally, if you did forget, you would be destroyed because you had not obeyed the Lord your God. That's Deuteronomy chapters 1 through 8. Wow. That's a whirlwind. Uh, Could I get Peyton and Olivia, maybe, could you guys just help me and get these passed around? I'm not even sure I divided those quite evenly, but um, I'm going to send around something because I want you to work with these three themes. You are at a moment right now in the meadow, looking back, looking ahead, a place where I want you to focus in your own life. In fact, Aaron, can I borrow yours for just a second? I'll give it back. What you see on here is those three themes, the past, remember, but a few specific questions for you to think about. How have I seen God at work in my life this year at NBC? If you want to reach back further, you can. What key truths about God's own character have been impressed into my heart? What have you learned about God that's going to be your bedrock going forward? What tests has God allowed to reveal my heart? What have you been through? Some of you are like, oh man, I, I've got a couple of doozies. Yeah, you do. We could go around this room. Probably everybody in here has been tested in different ways. But now we are in the present, in this moment, to obey. What lessons of obedience must I be careful to implement now and forward? What have I learned about God that I need to obey? What has God impressed on your heart? What, quote-unquote, revealed will of God or clear instruction must I follow? What has God shown me that this is what he wants of my life? I hope somebody will write something down about disciple-making, for example. (laughs) Just a hint. I hope, what is this clear, revealed will of God for you? And in the future, to perpetuate, how am I going to entrust these things to others What next generation, if you will, is on the immediate horizon? Some of you are stepping into ministries this summer. 
you have an immediate application of this to another generation of people. How are you going to entrust it to them? What legacy will I pass on to future generations, to your children and your children's children, if the Lord tarries that long? What legacy will you leave? Sounds like the end of the family development class, doesn't it? Um, I'm going to give you some time right now. Time to reflect. Time to write. Time to think about what you need to remember, what you need to obey, what you need to entrust to others as you go on into the future. It's going to be quiet for nearly 10 minutes. Go for it. On Thursday, our chapel is going to be dedicated to Testimony Chapel, last chapel of the semester, where we get to share things that God has done. I hope this last almost 10 minutes has been a great foundation for you, that you're going to come back on Thursday having already been primed in your pump to be able to uh, share things that God has done Uh, Give testimony, looking back to where you've been, and then be able to even look ahead and say, this is where, by God's grace, I'm going. So I want to pray right now, and I want to to do so much. (laughs) I'm going to look back, and now, and at the future with us in prayer, okay? Our Heavenly Father, Even as the people of Israel were challenged to do, we can look all the way back to creation and realize that you created humanity in your image and gave us a special task to accomplish. You uh, created us with purpose to live in relationship with you, to live to your honor and glory. And ever since the fall, people have become infected with sin, and there's been this great need of your work in us to redeem us. And God, we look back at the cross and the resurrection that we've just celebrated at Easter, and we remember again what you have done in this world's history to bring us to a place where we can be reconciled to you, where we can have peace with God again. And more immediately, we look back at our own lives and each one of us standing here as a Christian can give testimony of your work in us to bring us from death to life to make us new. And even more immediately, we remember in this last year what you've done in our life, the lessons that you've taught us, the trials you've allowed to to mold and shape us. And here we stand right now, Lord, at the culmination, the climax of a school year. For some of us of a career at NBC, And we, in this moment in the present, set our hearts to obey you, to follow you, to look into the future with a steady heart that's purposed to be yours 
that as you have bought us, so we will live for you. And God, we look to the future, to this summer immediately, to the life that stretches on ahead of us as many days as you will give us on earth, even to future generations. And we look to that future saying, Lord, it is our desire to follow you and to entrust what you've entrusted to us, to others, who will then be faithful to continue entrusting to others so that your work of disciple-making will spread to the ends of the world. Thank you for this moment in this day. Send us out, please, with your strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.